You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast raising the bar at workplaces everywhere. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective are their own and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. October marks the start of National Disability Employment Awareness Month. In honor of this year's theme, America's Recovery, Powered by Inclusion, we've put together a two-part series to stress the importance of ensuring that people with disabilities have full access to employment as our nation begins to recover from the devastating impacts that COVID-19 has had on our country's workforce. To commemorate the many and varied contributions of people with disabilities to workplaces everywhere, we've spoken with Tova Sherman, an author, speaker, and CEO of Reachability, which is an organization that provides supportive and accessibility programs dedicated to workplace inclusion. Tova helped open our eyes by dispelling some of the more common myths about inclusion in the workplace for those with disabilities. Check out Tova's episode at our website at workplaceperspective.com. On today's show, we're going to be continuing our celebration of National Disability Employment Awareness Month with a discussion about accommodation and compliance etiquette. Stay with us. It's going to be a great show. We'll be right back. Workplace Perspective has a new website. Visit us at www.workplaceperspective.com. Check out our new look, including our featured guests and archive sections. Share us with your friends and colleagues to help us continue to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back to our listeners. As many of you know, I have a absolute love of all things etiquette. So you can imagine how excited I am today to talk with you about accommodation and compliance etiquette in honor of National Disability Employment Awareness Month. As our baby boomer population ages and continues to work, the prevalence of disability management in the workplace continues to be a very significant issue for a lot of employers. And to be effective, disability management needs to include etiquette strategies that foster the inclusion of people with disabilities in the workplace setting. Now, disability etiquette is a great way to allow all employees to be more comfortable and productive. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about some etiquette strategies to help employers successfully integrate people with disabilities into their organizations. We're going to focus on a few different areas of etiquette, recruitment, interviewing, and some specific workplace etiquette tips that address a a particularly wide area of workplace situations. So I want to start by giving you a few uh, recruitment tips. But I, of course, cannot talk about recruitment without first mentioning a very significant piece of legislation that was passed by the California State Governor on September 27th, 2021. Six three nine ends California's decades-long practice of paying workers with disabilities less than minimum wage. So beginning January 1st of 2022, California employers will now be prohibited from paying workers with disabilities 
less than the prevailing minimum wage. The hope is that this bill is going to be a catalyst that's going to help transition workers with disabilities in a competitive, integrated employment. All right. People with disabilities represent a huge untapped labor pool offering really valuable skills, interesting qualifications, and all kinds of valuable assets for employers. What I want to give you today are a few recruitment strategies that can help you increase your organization's access to these potential applicants. So in addition to complying with California laws, of course, regarding the posting of job notices and all forms of recruitment, employers who are looking to attract workers with disabilities should consider a couple of these uh, following tips. First, when you're posting job offers, um, think about posting them with uh, local disability organizations, uh, colleges, university career centers. Um, you could also advertise vacancies with disability-related publications, uh, websites, and of course at job fairs. Now, when it comes to posting, you want to include details about the job location in all of your postings and also highlight any accessibility uh, features of your particular location. This gives the applicant an um, opportunity to look at your workspace, check you out, um, see uh, what you have as far as accessibility, what they're gonna be facing um, when they come to the office, if they come to the office. And you wanna indicate, of course, the availability of any flexible working conditions, including remote work options um, or flexible scheduling. And this, of course, is just an overall, an overall tip. You want to only include the qualifications in the job posting that are actually required for the available position. Uh, you want to be sure to require uh, equal qualifications of all job applicants, regardless of disability. Uh, you also want to make sure you advertise your organization as an equal opportunity employer. And think maybe about uh, when it comes to recruiting, maybe establishing an internship or mentoring program targeted towards youth with disabilities. All right, so those are our recruiting tips. Let's move on and talk about um, some interview etiquette tips. So we're gonna start with scheduling the interview. So here's a couple things you might, might wanna think about when you are scheduling um, interviews with applicants uh, who have disabilities. You want, of course, let the applicant know uh, the accommodations, uh, that accommodations can be provided if they ask for them. And of course, who to contact uh, to let the organization know that this individual is gonna need some type of accommodation in relation to the interview. You wanna schedule the interviews, of course, at an accessible location. So think about that. If you're interviewing offsite, you wanna make sure that your uh, location is accessible to anybody. You want to be familiar, of course, with travel directions to the interview location, whether it's on-site or off-site, including, of course, paths of travel into the building. So if there's a particular way into the building that someone with a disability um, should use to make it easier for them, you want to make sure you communicate that uh, while you're scheduling the interview. You also want to be aware that an applicant with a disability might need to arrange transportation either to or from the interview. So it's always appreciated when the applicant is provided ahead of time with an estimate of how long you think the interview is going to take and when you think it's going to when you think it's going to end. So of course start and end times. And you also want to make sure that the applicant has a comfortable place to wait um, if they've arranged for transportation. Ideally someplace where they can see outside so they can see when their ride arrives be very helpful. 
Then during the interview, a couple etiquette tips for conducting interviews, right? First biggest thing when you're conducting an interview with someone with a disability, you don't want to make assumptions about that particular individual's disability. So this includes things like using a normal tone of voice when you're welcoming the interviewee and only raise your voice if you're asked to. I know sometimes we don't think too much about it, but sometimes when we're faced with someone with a disability, our own insecurities come out and we sort of overcompensate. Maybe we speak a little louder or we enunciate a little slower, talk a little bit slower. So you want to just put those things aside, talk to this person like you would anyone else, of course, taking, we'll talk certain situations in a minute, but overall, um, just keep things normal. Use your normal voice, your normal cadence, um, unless of course you're asked to speak up or to speak slower. You want to make sure that during the interview that you are speaking directly to the interviewee. You don't want to talk to, if they have it with them, a companion or their personal attendant or an interpreter throughout the interview, right? You want to communicate directly with the individual and let them um, handle communications with their companion or assistant or interpreter, whatever it might be. Um, you always want to, across the board, ask similar questions of all interviewees, regardless of, of whether or not they have a disability. Again, this goes towards treating all applicants equally, regardless of uh, their disability, whether they have one or not. And you, of course, above all, and I know all my listeners will, you want to treat all interviewees with the utmost respect. All right, let's talk a little bit about just enhancing the experience of newly hired employees. Uh, then we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about some specific situations. But so to enhance the experience of a newly hired employee, you might want to consider some of the following. So reviewing the physical features of the work environment, right? Take note of any potential barriers that may exist for people with disabilities um, and make the necessary adjustments. Of course, I'm not talking about, um, you know, I, I'm talking about things that, uh, uh, you know, not redesigning your workspace completely, although your workspaces should be ADA compliant. But if there are things, if the furniture is arranged in a way that might be difficult or you have um, your storage areas aren't clear enough in their aisleways, or maybe your aisles could be a little bit bigger, your walkways, things like that, um, things that you can easily uh, remove the barriers for. You want to identify um, any assistive technologies uh, that might be available to increase workplace accessibility. These are things like adding Braille signs, um, depending on the on the disability, or um, making sure that um, your IT department or whoever's in charge of your computers knows how to um, navigate the enhanced settings on computers for those people uh, for uh, accessibility to make accessing the computer easier. You want to also provide alternative formats um, for all the necessary work-related documents that you have, which would be things like benefit information, employee manuals and policies, and any professional development materials that are going to be needed by this employee, which means maybe having them uh, printed in large print or uh, making them braille or uh, accessible on the computer, turning them into electronic documents which would allow the individual to use the accessibility settings on the computer to help them access these important documents. You also want to prepare coworkers and supervisors uh, for the arrival of a new employee that has a disability when it's appropriate. 
So this can include training and orientation on disability specific issues, but I want to keep in mind, the goal is not to single out this person with a disability. It's to um, really just focus on overall disability awareness as an initiative within the organization. That's a better way to take it. Don't put the focus on this one individual. And um, remember, lastly, to include employees with disabilities in any emergency evacuation plans and procedures that you have in the organization, including any documents that relate to those emergency evacuation planning and procedures. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll focus on some specific workplace etiquette tips that address a wide range of workplace situations. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Take a step toward bringing our country and community together. Start a meaningful conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. In honor of National Disability Employment Awareness Month, we are talking about accommodation and compliance etiquette. Woohoo! Etiquette, one of my favorite things, as you know. So in the final minutes of our show, I want to give you a few workplace etiquette tips for some very specific workplace situations. So let's first start talking about uh, a few tips for individuals with mobility impairments. So when it comes to an employee that has a mobility impairment, you want to make sure that you're, again, not making assumptions about the limitations of that individual based on their appearance or their use of any assistance uh, devices. For example, an individual who uses a mobility aid like a cane, a walker, maybe a wheelchair, they're all going to have different limitations and may use uh, the, that mo particular mobility aid regularly or only as required by their limitations on a daily or maybe infrequent basis. And also, you know, people who appear to be mobile may still require accommodations like accessible parking because they can't walk long distances due to some sort of medical condition. A person who's in a wheelchair, so a wheelchair mobility aid or maybe someone with a sort of service animal you need to remember that that's part of that person's individual space, like their personal space. It's an extension of that person. So the wheelchair, the cane, the service animal, they're an extension of that individual. And so you want to treat that accordingly, that space accordingly, by making sure that you're not touching or leaning on, a, on somebody's wheelchair or that you don't move a person's uh, cane or walker without asking them first. Um, you especially don't want to pet or distract a service animal without first asking the individual with a disability if that's okay. Again, that's their personal space. So you want to make sure you're maintaining your distance and giving them that personal space and that consideration. You want to, um, again, like we talked about, make the workplace accessible um, because uh, accessibility changes according to the specific workplace needs of any one individual. So things like I said, making workspace modifications, keeping paths in the office way clear, maybe positioning items at appropriate heights so that they're at the right level for someone to reach or to access. 
you also want to keep disability etiquette in mind when you're planning uh, workplace related events or training opportunities, anything where you're going to bring a lot of people in the office together. And you want to make sure that if they're offsite, that you're hosting them at um, locations that are disability uh, accessible and that the activities that you're providing really allow all the employees uh, to participate, including those with disabilities. Um, couple more have to do with um, personal interaction with someone um, who, who has a mobility device because a lot of people tend to be kind of overly helpful. Um, but you want to make sure that before you're offering assistance, that you're really asking if that person actually needs assistance before you before you start doing it, sorry, performing that assistance for them. So um, extend, just think about extending the same courtesies to people that have disabilities as you would to any other individual. And really don't be afraid to ask how you can help, right? Um, one other thing. So when you're uh, working with an individual who's in a wheelchair, um, you wanna make sure that if you're gonna be speaking to them for more than a few minutes, that you sit down so you're talking to them at eye level. Again, it puts you on the same speaking level uh, as you would with any other employee. So just making that quick little adjustment shows a lot of respect. All right, so that's mobility devices. What about somebody who's visually impaired? What are some things that we can do from an etiquette perspective to um, help this person out and make them feel welcome and part of the community, part of the work community? You want to make sure that when you're working with somebody who's visually impaired, that you verbalize more. So you want to verbally greet and identify yourself before you, of course, extend your hand to someone who has a visual impairment. You want to use the same courtesy when you're leaving a room or entering a room. You want to make sure you're saying hello. You want to make sure when you're entering and you want to make sure you're saying goodbye as you're leaving uh, or ending the conversation. Don't just walk away with a person who's either blind or visually impaired, uh, it can leave them a bit disorientated and it can come across as discourteous, right? Um, again, uh, someone who's visually impaired, you might want to be overly helpful um, in getting them around or helping them get around, but you wanna make sure that if you're gonna do that, asking if they need assistance, if they say yes um, and you wanna help them around, you can offer them your arm, but you wanna do it with a verbal cue. I'm putting out my arm. I'm right here on your right-hand side. Go ahead, lay your hand on my arm, right? Instead of just taking that person's arm um, and leading them around, right? You want to make them comfortable and you don't want to start doing anything until they're ready to move and they've got a, a good sense of where you're at and where you're going, which means as you're walking, as you're moving with this person, you want to verbalize with them. You want to talk about where you're going you want to make note that there's any steps or we're going to slope down now or maybe point out the fact that we're going to walk through this doorway or if there's any other obstacles you think they need to be aware of. And when you're walking alongside someone who's using a service animal, possibly a, a guide dog, right? You want to make sure that you're walking on the opposite side of that service animal. A couple more tips for someone who's visually impaired, just a couple more etiquette thoughts. You want to um, offer to read written information when it's appropriate, okay? So that might be during an interview or on the job. If you're in a meeting and you notice that this person doesn't wasn't given a copy of the documents electronically or it would be uh, disruptive to have it read to them 
through the computer. You might want to make sure that you're helping them out with that, asking how they would like you to help, how they would like you to help. That's a big, that's a big empowerment um, for someone with a disability is letting letting them tell you what they need as opposed to assuming this is what this person needs, right? You want to make sure along those same lines that any work-related materials like handbooks, benefits, we kind of already talked about that, that they're accessible, uh, either large print, braille, or accessible um, via the computer um, with a screen reader or some of the uh, computer-enabled assisted uh, technology that computers come with. All right, we're getting to the end here. Let's talk about someone who is uh, hearing impaired. So when you're uh, working with an individual that might be hearing um, deaf completely or simply hard of hearing, you want to be aware that individuals who are deaf or hard of hearing communicate in a lot of different ways. So you want to make sure that you're paying attention to cues, such as whether the person uses sign language, are they reading lips, writing, maybe they're gesturing. And don't be afraid to say that, look, I, I don't understand um, if you have trouble understanding their speech, because it's much better to find maybe another way to communicate, uh, writing notes, um, than to just pretend that you understand when you don't and put up that barrier. So uh, think more about how you can communicate and what's going to make it easier to communicate as opposed to just sort of fishing your way through it um, and maybe causing problems down the line. You want to make sure that you're maintaining, uh, maintaining eye contact uh, with someone who's deaf or hard of hearing and direct your communications right to that person, um, even when they're using a sign language interpreter. So you always want to focus on the individual and not the assistant or the or the person who's helping them out. You want to, of course, as we talked about a little bit, you want to use, use your normal tone of voice, speak like you normally would, um, unless they ask you to raise your voice or rephrase or to speak slower. Um, Maybe some words won't be as easily understood. You want to take turns uh, when talking during a meeting with someone who's hard of hearing so the person um, can read lips if they're able to and that they have the ability to focus on who's speaking and have direct eye contact with the person who's speaking. To get the attention of a person who's deaf or hard of hearing, um, you always want to do that before you start speaking to them. Uh, it's frustrating for everybody when you come in partway of the conversation or you just realize now somebody's speaking to you or they've been speaking to you. So you want to make sure you take a moment, make sure you're focused on that person. They know you're speaking to them before you start talking. Um, and then remember to include employees who are deaf or hard of hearing in any casual conversations that you might be having around the office or at a work social event. Um, and you might want to think about providing maybe a sign language interpreter for employer-sponsored events um, when it's appropriate. Uh, if this is someone who doesn't normally do that in the office because it's it's easy, it's a small office, but if they're going into a bigger event, uh, there might be more people around, things are moving quickly, might be a, a very considerate thing to do to just bring someone on to help that person out with just that one event. All right, and we are going to talk our second to the last, um, our individuals with speech impairments. So if someone has a speech impediment or an impairment, it really, really is upon the person who's listening, who you're conversing, right? You to be patient and listen. So you want to make sure you're doing things like not completing the words for them, not finishing the word or completing the sentence for that individual. It's tough because you want to help, but uh, 
it's better to let them finish their thought, uh, to find that word and to get it out. Um, so just be patient, right? Don't be afraid to say you don't understand. If you can't understand the, uh, the individual, maybe ask them to repeat it um, or ask them to write it down. You don't want to cause frustration, but you do want to enhance the communication. So think about finding an easier, uh, an easier way for everybody to communicate in that one particular situation. You want to be, of course, attentive to your mannerisms uh, when you're talking with someone who has a speech uh, impairment that you're maintaining you know, that conversational eye contact and focusing on the content of their communication and not the delivery of that communication. So try not to give the impression that you're impatient uh, or you're frustrated in any way. You want to just relax and communicate as you would normally. All right. Our last tips for the day, dealing with individuals who have cognitive impairments. So as we learned um, on our earlier show with Toa Sherman, sometimes working with individuals who have cognitive impairments brings up uh, issues of our own, and we want to be mindful of that. So here's a couple of tips. So again, don't assume that just because someone has a cognitive impairment, such as a learning disability, that they have below average intelligence or right. The individual may have above average intelligence, but just may have difficulty in receiving or expressing or processing information, right? Doesn't have anything to do with their intelligence. So ask the person, do they prefer verbal, written, or hands-on instruction, maybe a combination of methods and training and work-related situations? This is going to be really helpful to have these types of upfront conversations candidly, honestly, with a lot of respect. Um, for example, if providing verbal instructions to someone, it really might be helpful to then maybe follow up with an email that clarifies your request. So giving that individual an opportunity to hear the information more or receive that information in more than one medium, because something might click. Um, they might better communicate. They might get what you're saying if you're just saying it verbally, but then that might be a person who would benefit from seeing that in same information written down so they can look at it, read it again and again, and really absorb it. So keep that in mind. You want to treat the individual as an adult. Speak directly to that individual rather than their companion if they have one. And then you want to use words and phrases um, according to that particular individual's level of complexity. Okay, so if this is someone who's not going to understand sarcasm, you're going to want to hold back on the sarcasm. If you don't think this this person's going to understand um, slang or casual conversation, casual speech, maybe you need to be a little more formal in your in your speech and the words that you use. And above all, just be patient. Allow the individual time to think and to answer the question independently. All right. Well, that's our show for today. I want to thank you all for joining us. Please visit our new website at workplaceperspective.com and listen to our other episodes. Check out our guest spotlight or just drop us a note and tell us about your favorite episode. If you want to learn more about what you or your organization can do to celebrate National Disability Employment Awareness Month, visit the U.S. Department of Labor's website at dol.gov and search for National Disability Employment Awareness Month. You can also visit whatcanyoudocampaign.org 
the Campaign for Disability Employment. As always, I want to thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and of course, Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar. Keep raising the bar.